Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. My soul will make his boast in the Lord. The saints will hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Wherever you are, let's exalt his name together. Our God indeed is worthy to be praised. Let me say happy Mother's Day to all of you wonderful mothers and grandmothers and those who have been motherly in somebody's life. And I glorify God with you today. And I pray you have a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. And let me say happy Mother's Day to my own mother. Thank you for your love and support for me for my entire life. And happy Mother's Day to my wife of our four sons and uh, uh, the grandmother of our grandson. So happy Mother's Day to you as well. And I hope everybody has a blessed, blessed Mother's Day on today. And for those of you whose mothers, your mother's gone on to be with the Lord, it's not a day to be sad and depressed. You can still reflect and recall and remember the relationship you had with your mother. And remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's time for the word of God. And I want to ask us to ask God's blessing on his word on, for us on today. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're our strength. And Lord, you're our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today I want to preach about mothers who make a difference. Mothers who make a difference. In Exodus chapter 2, we meet Moses' mom for the very first time. And of course, Moses is probably the greatest person, greatest character in the Old Testament. Moses was a type of Christ. Moses wasn't Christ, but he was a type of Christ. Uh, like Christ, he was priest, prophet, and king. Like Christ, Moses would get off to himself and spend time in the presence of God all alone. And like Christ, he fasted 40 days. Like Christ, Moses willfully gave up a life of royalty for the sake of an enslaved people. Moses is probably the greatest person in the Old Testament. But his mother had so much to do with that. She's a mother that certainly makes a difference. We meet her in Exodus 2. Now, you got to understand the context of Exodus chapter 2. Um, the Hebrew people were living in Egypt, and everything was going fine until chapter 1 of Exodus says there was a, a, a pharaoh, there was a king of Egypt, a head of state in Egypt who did not know Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob, that God used him, raised him up in Egypt to be the second in command, only behind uh, that, that past Egyptian king, that head of state. And, and it was Joseph that literally saved Egypt and Joseph that saved the known world. And his descendants began to move into Egypt and everything was fine until Exodus 1 says there was a head of state for that nation who was ignorant. He was ignorant of Joseph, ignorant of the people that helped make that nation great. And out of that ignorance, he began to implement policies and laws that really was destroying the Hebrew people. The law was this, that whenever a Hebrew girl was born, then she could live. But when a Hebrew boy was born, he was supposed to be thrown into the Nile River and destroyed. And that was what was going on when... Moses was born. 
But when Moses was born, his mother didn't have him thrown into the Nile River. And we meet her and see what she did in the life of her son that made all the difference in him becoming such a great man. And that's found in Exodus chapter 2 in verse 1. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. Exodus chapter 2 verse 1. Here's what God's word says. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds among, along the bank of the Nile River. It was Harvard University some years ago that did a study. And after the study they did, they, they came to the conclusion that they could predict who the juvenile delinquents could be. Well, Harvard University understood, and so do we, that if you can predict who the juvenile delinquents are, you can, pre you can prevent juvenile delinquency. And here's what they said. The home is so important to that. They talked about the supervision of parents, that you need parents who supervise their children, who don't let their children do whatever they want to do whenever they get ready uh, with whomever they please, but parents that provide parameters and boundaries for their children. And then the Harvard study said that uh, you need parents who will discipline their children. And he, God even said with us that he disciplines those that he loves. Discipline is uh, an expression of love. So you need parents who will provide some painful consequences uh, to disobedience to teach their children obedience. You have to have discipline. And then the Harvard study said that you have to know where your children are at all times. That you can't just let your children go with whomever they want, whenever they want, however they want. You have to have, you have, to have knowledge of the, where your children are at all times. Uh, in Indianapolis, where I grew up, there was a popular radio station that said uh, every night at 10 p.m., they said, it's 10 p.m., do you know where your children are? And then the Harvard study said, if we're going to prevent this delinquency in children, then there has to be affection. There has to be love. And, of course, the Harvard study is just now catching up with the Bible. The Bible talks about discipline and supervision of parents. The Bible says to bring up your children in the way and the admonition of the Lord. The Bible says if you don't discipline your children, you hate them because discipline is an expression of love. So the Word of God has taught us the importance of home life. And so when we meet the mother of Moses, the, way, the reason why Moses could become such a great man and a great deliverer, was because of the parental participation in his life. His parents didn't just leave him alone and let him do anything, but they participated in his life and they made a difference for him. And one of the ways they participated was with prayer. They, they prayed for their son. And we know this to be the case because uh, it, the text says that they were of the tribe of Levi. His father was from the tribe of Levi. Moses' mom was from the tribe of Levi. And we know Levi, that's, that's the Levitical priesthood. And priests are the ones who go to God on behalf of people. And so they became the priest in the home. And so here is Moses' mom, who's the priest in the home. She went to God on behalf of her children. She went to God on behalf of her family and that prayer made a difference. And prayer does make a difference. I don't care what the crisis is, what the trouble is, what the issue is. 
I guarantee you when you pray for your children, it's going to make a difference in their life. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. The Bible teaches us that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Yeah. Prayer is, has a, a positive effect. Prayer gets much done. That problem that I had, I just couldn't seem to solve. I prayed and I prayed, but I kept getting deeper involved. I turned it over to Jesus. I stopped worrying about it. I turned it over to the Lord. He worked it out. Keep on praying for your children. I promise it'll make a difference in their life. And not only did they pray, but the mother of Jesus also, the mother of Moses also protected Moses. I know that there were laws that were put in place because of the ignorance of the head of state of that nation. And those laws were not destroying everybody, but a certain color, a certain culture, a certain age, a certain gender. They didn't go after everybody. It was a certain group of people. That's how we know it was, it was um, strategic. We know it was a system because it didn't affect everybody, only a certain group of people. And this boy Moses was a part of that group that was being destroyed. All the ones his age, they were being thrown into the Nile River. All the ones of his culture were being thrown and destroyed in the Nile. But his mother had the wherewithal to protect him, to hide him for three months in the home. Because here's a mother that realized that though we are two-parent household, and though the two parents both love God, both know about prayer, both loved their family and their children, but their child was still an at-risk child. Let me say to those of you who love the Lord and seeking to live your life right, that doesn't mean that your children are not at risk. There are some, some, some ignorant lawmakers and policymakers that are not trying to deliver your children, but put in policies that literally lead to the destruction of your children. That's why that home life is so important and significant. And his mom began to protect him. She didn't expose him to any and everything. She didn't take him around any and everything. She didn't allow everybody and anybody to come around because she's protecting her child. No wonder that mom made a difference in his life. And she provided for him. Provided for him. Uh, yeah, the text says in Exodus 2 that when Moses' mom could not hide him anymore after three months, uh, he started getting older and bigger and, and, and she couldn't hide him anymore. And so she went and made a, a basket and then made the basket with pitch and tar waterproof. And then she put the baby in the basket and then put it, the baby and the basket in the Nile River. She, she now has to put her son in the same environment that have taken out others that look like him that same age as he is the same gender same class same ethnic group now she's got to put him in the same environment that those children have been destroyed but but she offered some provisions for him she gave him something that would cause him to be able to make it when she's not around she put him in something that he would be able to sail through what the others were sinking in. In the same environment they were in, while they were being destroyed, her son was being delivered because she gave him something that would float. Y'all, I don't care how holy we are and how we try to raise our children properly in the home, at some point you got, they got to come out of the house. 
And they got to get in that same environment of racism and racial division and social injustice and oppression. The same environment where people look down upon them because of the color of their skin and no expectations on greatness in their life, even in an educational system. But in that environment, you and I ought to have enough wherewithal as parents to give our children something that'll float. That when others are sinking, our children will sail. When others are being destroyed, our children will be delivered. You got to give them something that will float. And I, I'm sure that Moses' mom put him in, signed him up for all the, the sporting activities. I'm sure Moses' mom gave him some lessons to learn how to play musical instruments. I'm sure Moses' mom put him in all kind of camps and bought him and made for him the latest garments and clothes uh, for young people of that day. But none of that stuff's going to float in a pandemic. None of that's going to float in social injustice. None of that's going to float in racism. We need, she made sure her son had a relationship with God. That's where all that prayer came in. Whatever else going on with our children, we're going to give them something that will float. We need to help them to get a relationship with Jesus. That'll float. Help them to get right with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now that'll float. Help them get connected to a church where they can grow and develop as a child of God. That will float. Help them to get in God's word and to understand the word of God and the revelation that comes from that. That will float. Connect them with people who love God, who love Jesus. That will help them to sail when others are sinking. And it wasn't just his, his parents, his mom and dad that helped Moses to make it through that difficult time. The reason why Moses made it because he had a the support from his sister. <laughs> Moses had a sister that supported him in a, in a major way. In Exodus 2, when his mom put him in that basket, set him afloat down that Nile River, his sister uh, was walking at a distance, but keeping her eye on the basket on, and the baby. She was making sure that that, that basket didn't uh, sail on out into in the vastness of the Nile River. She was making sure uh, that nothing evil would happen to her brother when he was in that Nile River, that she was watching out for her brother. She was looking out for her brother. She was taking care and making sure that her brother would be pulled out of the danger he was in. He's in danger because everybody liking unto him didn't make it in that environment. He's in danger, but she, he had a sister supporting him, making sure that he's going to sail through this and get pulled out of it. And let me say this about this, this brother's sister. She was able to help him to get out of it without her getting in it. Uh, so many sisters with a love for brothers and want to support your brother so bad. And, want, and you know he's in danger. You know he's gotten himself into something he shouldn't have gotten himself into. And you thought, if I could just get in it with him, then I can put, no, the sister teaches us that you can get a brother out of something without getting in it yourself. Uh, she's watching out for her brother. She want to make sure uh, that uh, he doesn't get carried away. He, uh, she wants to make sure that he doesn't go too far. And so she's watching out for her brother. Thank God for the sisters uh, that have kept an eye on the brothers. Thank God for the sisters that didn't give up on their brother. Matter of fact, every time Moses' life was saved, a sister did it. 
Every time Moses' life got in danger, he needed to be saved. It was a woman that did it. First, it was his mother that put him in that basket, hid him for three months, and then helped him to sail through what others were sinking in. Then it was his sister that watched over him that made sure he didn't get carried away, uh, made sure he didn't go under. Then it wasn't the uh, Pharaoh's son that pulled him out of that that water. It was Pharaoh's daughter. That was a woman that rescued him. Then when he became an adult and got married and ran into that bloody situation, it was his wife, Zipporah, that delivered him. And every time Moses' life got saved, it was a sister that did it. And that's not just about Moses. I know I got some brothers that can testify with me that if we look back over our life and found ourselves in it's some crazy environments and situations we shouldn't have been in and about ready to get carried away that God navigated the circumstances of life to bring some sisters in, to bring some women into our life that would save us. I don't know where I would be without my mother and her love and support. I don't know where I'd be without my biological sister and how she's come alongside me in so many ways. I don't know where I'd be without my wife of 33 years and what she has meant to me and what God is doing. And I could just continue to call names of sisters that help the brother out. And brothers, we got to be careful that the sister helps us <laughs> that we don't get, that, that we don't ignore the sister. And we turn around and be a blessing to the sisters. Where would we be as a people had it not been for sisters? So here is a sister supporting this brother. And I love this because this sister helped her brother to get in a place, in a position that she could never get into. She did what was necessary to help this brother get to a place and a position and to live out his purpose, one she would never be able to get to, but she helped him to get there. Yeah, because when Pharaoh's daughter pulled that baby out of that basket, that's when Miriam jumped in the action and ran over and told her, you need, you, you, you're a princess. You don't need to raise your baby by yourself. That's a beautiful baby you have. You need somebody there. Let me go get one of the Hebrew women to help you raise your baby. And then that's when Pharaoh's daughter said, yeah, go find me some help. Go get one of the Hebrew women. And then she went, uh, matter of fact, let me, let me slow down. Let me just tell you the real story, what happened with this. Let me give it to you straight that she went back home, told her mom, Mom, listen, put on your, put on your outfit, put on your shoes. Uh, God is getting ready to bless us. And the mother said, what are you talking about, Mom? I don't have time to explain it to you. God is moving, and we need to be in the right place at the right time. Just put your clothes and shoes on. I'll tell you on the way. And on the way, she was telling that, that, that your son, this, the, the, the princess pulled him out. And she's claimed him as her own. And now I've gone to find a Hebrew woman. I'm coming to bring you. I told her I'd find a Hebrew woman to help raise that baby. And when they got there, that's when Pharaoh's daughter told Moses' mom that I want you to help me raise my son, the princess said. And I'm going to pay you to help raise my son. And of course, you know what Moses' mom was thinking. You're not paying me to help raise your son. You're paying me to help raise my son. Man, we serve an awesome God that can make some holy hookups, that can make some Christian connections that are able to get us in places that we couldn't have gotten there on our own. But it was his sister's support that helped make that happen. And now Moses is next in line to be the king of Egypt. He's being raised as an Egyptian prince. That never would have happened 
had it not been for the support of his sister, getting him in a place that she never could have gotten herself. You talking about a sacrifice of a sister. A matter of fact, what his mother was doing, the sacrifices she was making, and his sister, the sac Yo, we're looking at a mother who was sacrificing so that her son couldn't make it. Had she been caught hiding that baby or putting that baby in that basket, then she would have lost her life. But she's willing to make a sacrifice so her son could make it. I'm bringing that up because, unfortunately, we, we live in a time where there are parents who will sacrifice their children so the parent can make it. But we need to get back to, like, Moses' mom, a mother that makes a difference, who's willing to make sacrifices for your children so that your children can make it. And so here is his sister that didn't give up on her brother. A brother's in trouble, a brother having to deal with the laws that are against him and the policies that are pulling others like him down. But she didn't give up on that brother. That's my word to a sister today. Don't give up on a brother. You don't know what God has. I know it looks bad now. I know it looks crazy now, but you don't know what God has in store for them. There's a, a young man by the name of Caleb. When Caleb was 18 years old, uh, Caleb was a four-star football player in Mississippi, Yazoo County, Mississippi, four-star football player, and he would ride the bus to go to school every day. And in Yazoo County, Mississippi, it's such a small community that kindergartners and seniors in high school would ride on the same bus and everything in between. And on one particular day, there was a 14-year-old girl that got on that bus. And when she got on the bus, she had a gun and 21 students on that bus and plus the bus driver and that 14-year-old girl pulled out that gun. We found out later she had been bullied. Uh, there are those who had harassed her. She thought the only way to deal with this bullying was to address it with a gun. And she had that weapon on that, on that bus making threats. And that's when Caleb went into action. That, that four-star football player jumped up, tried to talk her out of it, but that didn't work. And when she turned her head for a moment, he tackled her and subdued her, and then he was able to gather the gun together and save 21 lives, 22 lives, counting the bus driver, 21 children and the bus driver. He became a national hero. They had him on all national programs. I heard about it first on the Today Show. They had Caleb, and they were interviewing him on the Today Show and celebrating what he was able to do, and you tackled her, and you subdued her, and you got the weapon, and you saved lives. Then they asked Caleb this, what were you thinking? When you saw that 14-year-old girl get on that bus with that gun in her hand, what, what went through your mind? He said, nothing went through my mind. I didn't, even, I didn't even see her get on the bus. I didn't see her come on with a gun in her hand. And they said, wait a minute, you're the hero. You saved the day. You, you subdued her. You, you saved those lives. What do you mean you didn't see her get on? He said, I didn't see her get on because when she got on, I was asleep. He said, I got on the bus and I went straight to sleep. And when she got on, I didn't know she was even there. He said, but my 14-year-old and 16-year-old sister were on the bus with me. And when they saw what was going on, my sister nudged me. And when my sister nudged me, that woke me up. And when I woke up and could assess what was going on, that's when I went into action. That's when I tackled her. That's when I subdued her. That's when I got the victory, <laughs> when my sister woke me up. All I'm trying to tell you, sisters, don't give up on a brother. I know it looks bad. I know he's sleeping through a pandemic. I know he's sleeping through social injustice. I know he's sleeping through the oppression. He's sleeping through racism. He's sleeping through a crisis. I understand all of that. 
But if you could just give him a nudge in the name of Jesus, if you could just nudge him in the power of the Holy Spirit, once he wakes up, you don't know what that brother's going to tackle. You know, when, when our sons and daughters give their faith to Jesus Christ, when anybody gets saved and the Holy Spirit moves in them, there's, you, there, the sky is the limit. You don't know what God is going to do to use them. And it's time for us as mothers and fathers, to, as sisters and brothers, to, to give each other a nudge in the name of Jesus. And then it was the caring community that also helped Moses to make it. Thank God for his mother that made a difference. But if it had not been for somebody in that community coming alongside him, and we know that was a bad, that was racial divide. It was oppression uh, where certain in society were being killed by those who were supposed to protect and serve. And with the ignorance of a head of state and not even having the knowledge of the people who helped make the nation great. But in all of that, there was a woman in that community that saw what was happening with that little baby. And she pulled him out of the danger he was in, the very thing that others were sinking in. Uh, she, they, they were being destroyed, but she delivered him. She pulled him out and then began to raise him as her son. That's Pharaoh's daughter. This is a person of a different culture, <laughs> different class, different color. This is, a, this is a person that had no biological connection to this baby at all but decided I'm going to have a sociological connection to you, that I'm going, you're not my son, but I'm going to raise you as my son. You're not my son, but I'm going to treat you as though you are my son. You are not my son, but I'm going to pour into you as though you were my son. Thank God for community. And those of us of African descent living in America, we know what community is all. We know that it takes a whole village to raise a child. We can't just leave that up to mothers and fathers to rear and raise children. It takes a whole village. All of us in community need to come alongside these boys and girls and many who are at risk. And I, I tell you this, and I know I'm not by myself in this, I would not have made it had it not been for people in community that had no biological connection to me, but decided I'm going to treat you like my son. You're not my child, but I'm going to treat you as though you are my child. And I got a laundry list of names of, of people who came alongside me. And now it's time for me to come alongside others in community. That's what I'm trying to get across to us. It is, you don't have to have somebody that look like you, act like you, and think like you. But it's time for us to embrace our sons and daughters in community and do what we need to do to pull them out of what they're in. And that's exactly what Pharaoh's daughter did for Moses. She drew him out. Matter of fact, she named him drawn out. That's what Moses means. Let me give you one more. We're talking about making a difference in the lives of our sons and daughters, many who are at risk because of racism and social injustice, because of oppression, because of ignorance of so many who don't even realize who helped build the nation. But it was the grace of God. Moses never would have made, I understand his mother and his sister, I understand community, but had it not been for the grace of God, uh, Moses wouldn't have become the deliverer we know him to be. He wouldn't have become that type of Christ. He wouldn't have become that kind of man. Had it not been for the grace of God, the grace of God, and I know some of you saying, I don't see 
Anything about no grace of God in Exodus chapter 2? Yes, you do. <laughs> Let me show it to you. His mother, when she could not hide that baby any longer, she made a basket that was waterproof and put it on the water. Uh, why did she not make that basket the day before? Why didn't she make that basket on the next day? Why was it on that particular day at that moment that she would put that baby in that basket on the Nile River? I'm trying to show you the providence and the grace of God. And then the wind, why, why is it blowing in the direction it was blowing? Why would it not blow in another direction? And the velocity of the wind, the speed of the wind that would carry that basket. Why would, if it had gone any faster, it would have passed the spot where Pharaoh's daughter had come down. If it had gone any slower, when Pharaoh's daughter come to take her bath, the, the basket, she would have been gone before the basket got there. I'm showing you the grace of God. The reeds in the water that prevented the basket from going out to the vastness of the Nile River. How is it the reeds were not shorter than that? Or why did they not grow any taller than that? Because God had them to grow at just the right height to not hold up the basket or release the basket, but to keep moving that basket in the round. I'm trying to show you the grace of God. And when Pharaoh's daughter came to take her bath, why did she not take a bath an hour ago? Why did she take a bath in the next hour? Because God was navigating the circumstances of life. The providence of God had moved in. The grace of God had begun to move. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Even when you don't see God's grace moving, doesn't mean God's grace is not moving. Uh, yeah, that's why <laughs> Moses' mom didn't put that basket out there the day before or the day after. But it was that, that day, at that moment, she put all that together and put him. That's why the velocity of the wind wasn't blowing too fast or too slow, but at right at just the right speed in just the right direction. That's why those reeds were not too short or too tall, but just the right height to keep things moving in the right direction. That's why Pharaoh's daughter didn't take a bath an hour ago or in the next hour. But at that moment that God designed and God was navigating the circumstances of life and putting all that together, even without the knowledge of the mother or the sister or the knowledge of Pharaoh's daughter, because that's the kind of God I serve, a God of grace, unmerited favor, God blessing you even when you don't deserve it, and God blessing you even when you don't know he's blessing you. And that's my word to mothers <laughs> trying to make a difference and fathers trying to make a difference. Don't give up on your children. It may not look like it, but God is making some moves you don't even know about. This just happened a few days ago. Uh, there was a woman who was uh, eight months pregnant. I think she was in like her 33rd week of pregnancy. But then she couldn't catch her breath at home. And she was struggling to breathe. She, she was pregnant with twins. And she couldn't breathe. And then she went into labor. She said her labor pains were like two minutes apart. And she called her doctor and said, I can't breathe. And my labor pains are set in. And the doctor said, get to the hospital right now. I'll meet you at the hospital. She gets to the hospital and they can't, the oxygen won't even work to get her to breathe. They're trying to pump oxygen into her nose and through her throat, but they can't, they, it, it's not working. And they told her, we're going to give you a, a COVID-19 test. We're taking you to the labor and delivery room. She's in, she's in labor, but we're going to give you a COVID-19 test. They test her for COVID-19. Minutes later, they come back saying, you have COVID-19. That's why you can't breathe. And then they induced a coma. The anesthesiologist came in and put her in a coma on purpose 
for the protection of herself and the health of those twins that were still in her womb. And then when that woman woke up three days later out of the coma, that uh, she was in a different hospital, and she said her belly was gone. <laughs> That's because she had given birth. She didn't know it. She started to ask, where are my babies? She said, That's the first thing when she came out of her coma three days later in a different house. Where, where are my babies? And somebody told her, your babies are just fine. Because while you were in a coma, while you were sleeping, while you were out of it, while you didn't know what was going on, we were able to deliver your babies. That's my word to somebody. That's the kind of grace that God has in your life and mine. I know you're worried about your children. I know you're concerned about your family. But even when you're out of it, even when you don't know what's going on, even when you're not aware, God will bring deliverance to your son and deliverance to your daughter. That's what grace is all about. That's why I thank God for grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. It was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me on. And because of the grace of God in my life, amazing grace will always be my song of praise. Because it was grace that bought my liberty. I, I don't know why he came to love me so. He looked beyond my faults and saw my... I will forever lift my eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous was that grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my faults and saw my knees. And that grace is available for you right now. 